Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. What's his name? Lopetegui, I thought it was. Lopetegui. Am I thinking of the rat from Ratatouille? Oh, it's Luigi. What's his name? Luigi. I can't remember. Anyway. No, Remy. Remy, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Welcome back to the Bukayo Saka <laughs> podcast. I like to look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Hello, my friend. Hello, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm really good, thanks. Good. Okay. Uh, Feeling positive. What about you, mate? What about you? How are you feeling? What's going on? Uh, I'm all right. Well, Brad, listen, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm not saying I'm working for Arsenal and I just brokered the Ben White deal, but I did just return from four days in Brighton. I'm and and I'm not saying they're connected events, but listen, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying they're not. Events. Have you ever seen me and Mikel Arteta <laughs> in the same room? No, you haven't. Um, no, <laughs> maybe I am Edu. Uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I, I was in Brighton doing doing deals, but I've uh, no, it was me and my me and my partner had a little. Uh, Little break, just a little little time off. I was hoping to see. I tell you who I did see. Um, that uh, Joe was no, not Joe Weller. Um, the other YouTubers, Alfie and Zoe, the ones who got the waxworks. Oh, the ones, the one of the ones that did like a one pound living off a yeah, pound a day challenge. Him. But he's like, because I live in my fancy house, I can drink my tap water and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. The, as in, uh, what is it, Alfie? I am not a Tory. That is date. him. I saw him on a bench. <laughs> I saw it. You saw it on a his, bench and wow. his pregnant wife. So maybe we should maybe we shouldn't dunk on. Is it wife? I don't know. Who cares? Anyway, uh, <laughs> obviously not. Other you. than that, yeah, not me. Not me. How's your week been, Brad? Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, been working, watching the Euros, doing a bit of a look at Ben White actually, because uh, whilst I I hate a compilation mm. video because you could literally chop up. MNEK's time in uh, Russia and make him look like the best striker that ever lived. Um, I actually really like the profile. And uh, I think one of the things that we've been kind of denying statistically, we'll get onto this later, is that Brighton have obviously got to defend more than certain other clubs. So maybe that's a reason, but I'm feeling very positive about it. I'm quite excited. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it later. I do want to kind of separate... We'll get, yeah, we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that, won't we? I, I feel like you can't mention... We'll come later. <laughs> I feel like you can't mention the name Ben White without also saying in the same sentence, what does this mean for William Saliba? So we'll try and separate those two things out. Um, but yes, oh, oh, so you mentioned the Euros. I also should mention uh, last episode, um, partly because Arsenal are just linked with everyone. We've been simultaneously linked with Andre Silva and Rafa Silva, and that was me discovering that they are actually not the same player. I thought <laughs> they were the same guy. Um, so I realised last episode I said Andre Silva changed the game when Rafa Silva changed the game. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's my ignorance. I didn't know that. What um, what your uh, Euros games have you been watching? Um, oh, uh, not not a lot really. Uh, mainly because I've been at work. But uh, I obviously watched the the England Czech game. I have watched the Croatia Scotland game. Um, other than that, I've actually not watched a game in a couple of days now. And mm. now we've we've got you know it's it's tomorrow. I think the first the first game back in a few days, which I've got it in front of me here. Oh yeah, it's Wales Denmark's the first game to kick off yep. at five o'clock tomorrow. So I will be tuning in for that. That will be a good one. Yeah. The last time we podcasted, we did say this about the Scotland game. 
I just think it's going to be a good game of football. I think. Mm, yeah, no, 100%. It's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a good game tonight. So that was wrong. Yeah. Um, it was a very boring game. Brad and I had a lovely takeaway for those interested. <laughs> yeah. It was Thank very nice. Thank you very much, Alex. That was, that was a um, gorgeous, you, it was a gorgeous evening. You Bradley are paid for the beers. Uh, and, and to perfect, be honest, I can't... A perfect host, as, <laughs> as always. I can't, I can't really remember what happened because we were just talking through the whole game. Uh, there was a chance for Foden at one point, was there? I, I have no idea. It was such I a boring Scotland game. Scotland were the better team. The only there's, I think there's two chances I remember, which was a McGinn chance and then... No, yeah. it was a Che Adams chance and then the, a, a random volley that I thought Pickford made quite a good save on. But other yes. than that, for, on, from like the English like England point of view, it was just a bit dead. Yeah. yeah. And, and does kind of, you know, Tony Pulis proud. I mean, it was just duels and aggression and, and it, but it shows like what, what you can do with a proper mentality and a proper kind of up mm. for it because Scotland, you know, no, no, no disrespect to our, uh, any Scottish listeners, but you know, they, they don't have the, the same level of quality as, as we do. No. And they matched us man for man because yep. they were just they up were for better, it. And they that, were and better that, than us. They were better than us. They they fully deserved the point. They probably could have yeah. taken all three. Yeah, um, absolutely. And obviously, it's a, it's a shame that they've they've ended up crashing out of of the group. You know, as much as yeah, I'm not the kind of I don't. The thing is, is I don't really care enough about international football to be the kind of guy that's like, oh yeah, I support all the home nations. But obviously, like it is a shame for them. I, I, yeah. I also I think it's it, the only reason I think it's a shame is because I love Kieran Tierney um, but yeah he gets he gets some time off so it's yeah, good for us it's good for um, us the uh, I, I, have to, I watched the uh, Germany-Portugal game and I have to say I did enjoy Portugal conceding three of the same goals <laughs> that was <laughs> the same thing cross ball over to the left fullback cut it in and Havertz will be there um, yeah, that was that was an interesting game. I also I did watch. Uh, did you see the moment from the France Portugal game where uh, Hugo Lloris basically like fucking close like Superman punches one of their like defensive midfielders from a corner? I didn't see that, and I'll tell you why oh, because mate. I I had a few beers. We were on the beach, and I, and I sat on some deck chairs, um, and I got a little bit too drunk. Came back to the hotel room where we planned to watch the game. I fell asleep and woke up to a 2-2 and then get going, do you know what? This is such a good game. What a great evening's entertainment. Oh, wow. We're literally building up to it the entire day. Like, oh, yeah, all right, okay, we'll get some beers. We'll, you know, we'll sit in the hotel. We'll watch it. It'll be a, be a good game. I missed the whole thing. So, no. Um, I, was it good? I didn't watch the game. I just know that one moment oh, okay. from fucking the <laughs> memes that came out. of the, the guy, Arthur, is literally like, like holding his fucking head because he's just yeah. been clotheslined. One one little funny story. I couldn't watch the um, England game when it was played. So I steered clear of the result and, and um, I just watched the replay on BBC iPlayer because I was at the theatre for the first time since uh, March 2020, mm. which was a crazy experience. But a funny little kind of anecdote from that was at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. If anyone's ever been there, it's a really gorgeous open area. But there were obviously people in the park who were either listening to or watching the game because I knew England had scored when they scored <laughs> because of the thunderous cheering you could hear because obviously it's everything's just yeah, out in the yeah. open and like you literally just heard this thunderous cheer from people obviously getting pissed in the park and watching the game so I knew they definitely yeah. scored yeah um, yeah and that yeah. was basically the highlight of the game it was uh <laughs> I think yeah and you know now it's not really time to have a conversation about England as a kind of attacking unit, but Saka, I mean, it just goes to show. Basically, oh. I, I saw a, I saw a quote of uh, his recently from I think it's from like December 2019. He basically talks about mm. what he's been learning recently and his development around. You don't need to. It's such a simple skill, but I think it, it kind of casts a light on how Saka played the other day. Unless you're being pressured, you don't need to release the ball. So just keep moving, keep you know, keep progressing mm. the ball, and you see what someone from deep on in that kind of right hand half space, as well as Greenish, who are able to keep the ball, recycle the ball, push the ball further up, rather than playing yourself into danger, Greenish allowing yourself so to. Good. Yeah, but it just goes to show what players with technical quality can do for you. I really hope yeah. Saka um, keeps his place because he was he was sensational, and it did it made me feel very proud. I mean, sir, absolutely, absolutely, sir Bukayo, please. OBE. You know, and we've got 
we've got a, a Harold Kane that's had one shot on target this whole... I texted you in the middle of the game, I think, like, why is Harry Kane picking up the ball in our half of the pitch, in, like, our half of the centre circle? Or you like texting the theatre, on the right? left flank? No, 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 when I watched the replay. Oh, thank God. Because I wasn't watching it when I was at the theatre, you toss pot. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like, why was he... Put, like? And I think this is the main issue, is sometimes... And I think this about Harry Kane anyway. I think he's quite a selfish character. And I think that, that you see that in the way that he plays for England. And I think that's born from the way that he's had to play for Tottenham. He wants to do everything. He wants to take the glory. He wants to be the man that that wins England the Euros or wins yep. England the World Cup like we saw in him not squaring to Sterling when there's a perfect opportunity. And I think there was a, a, a decent opportunity for him to kind of put the ball across the front, the kind of face of goal Same with his left foot. But he cuts back in and, and takes the shot. And it's just, it's it's classic Kane that he is so desperate and so selfishly focused on his own achievements that the our team currently are kind of real, really paying the price of having someone just not do the one thing that they're good at, which is scoring yeah. goals. Look, did he win playmaker of the year in the Premier League this season? Yes. Is he the best playmaker in the Premier League? No. He's probably nowhere near the top 15 best playmakers in the Premier League. But it's just talking about luck and opportunities because the thing with being a playmaker is is you only get the assist or the credit when somebody scores the goal. And Hyunmin Son at the start of the season was putting him in for for fun. And yeah, to not get onto the, like this big old conversation about how we fix England or whatever, that was a, I think that was a big issue for me. And even in the Scotland game, he was so 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 average. Mm. I think yeah. I, I, I part of me just wants to call him overrated, and part of me just wonders whether it's the mentality that's kind of just seeped into his soul from playing at such a bottle job club for so long. It's a shame. Um, you, you, you want to see yeah. Arsenal graduates doing well, but it's uh, you, you know. really do. It's a, it's a real shame. Uh, round of 16 has been drawn. Some tasty, tasty fixtures. Belgium against Portugal in the last 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think France v Switzerland could be interesting. Uh, I think the yeah. Swiss have got something about them. Uh, England, obviously, against Germany. It's coming I am on, predicting... No, I'm predicting a loss. But... If we get through that Germany game, it's the it's such an easy route to the to the semis, if not the final. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The other, in, in our half of the draw... Um, Netherlands and Germany. Uh, I told him it's too England, England heavy, but you know certainly, certainly England definitely have got a chance. I think France have got a fairly, you know. That I was, also, I don't know if you got, know the answer to this question. I don't understand why there's a bracket. As in, I don't understand mean? why it's. As in, why there's a, it's called a bracket. As in, like the set route to the. As in, like you know when you've got like. Like like this, there is a set route to the final. The the winner of these two teams play these. I why is it not just randomly drawn? I don't know. I mean, I Surely guess it's something like to do with makes a little fairer if it's randomly drawn because obviously you're going to have a pot of people. You're going to have a pot of teams from who finished first and a pot of teams who finished second, and it would make things more interesting rather than just one yeah. side of it being, you know quite average teams at points and then other times like, like if you're Sweden and Ukraine and and other teams on that side or, or like the Netherlands I think they're on our side maybe like you're, you're looking at it and you're going like this is this is an easy run in whereas we want to see like it, it, for me anyway for me it should be random like that it's it's like the whole thing when we went oh if we get past um this these people we're facing Emery and then we're in the final we shouldn't know that I think that, that that it should just be randomly drawn because then that, that again it increases the excitement for fans because you don't know what's coming next. England could have drawn Sweden and then in the next round drawn Switzerland and then in the next round drawn somebody good or we could have gone through Germany, France, Portugal on the way to the final. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I just think yeah, that I, would up the ante. Yeah, I, I mean I have no I can't think of an obvious reason why not. Or, um yeah, I haven't opinions. been speaking to UEFA. Um, no. as, as they need, they need to sort it out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> maybe so. I mean, they're, they're a bit busy with their um, confusion over what is and what isn't a political stance at the moment. So maybe, yeah. maybe, we'll, maybe we'll leave them alone for now. So is the, is, the flag, is the flag acceptable or is it? No, no, hang on. 
Do we want the rainbows or do we, I'm confused? Very difficult. Um, I also enjoyed one of the in their statement they they said uh, anyone is free to believe anything they want. Yeah, is that what Fucking we want? Idiots. No, is that to if I believe then the Nazis ha- were free to believe that you know everything like, that they believe then or like it's like if i yeah exactly it's like if i believe any, you could, that i have it's like, the it's so fucking stupid it's it's the <laughs> yeah. most it's the laziest pre nonsense that i've, I've like, everyone's free so i can believe like so oh, oh. yeah let's, let's let's not go there let's not go oh, there um anyway yeah exacerbates me Euro's hotting up. Um, some mm. really good games uh, I'm looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. Have you also um, seen so, that apparently England fans have been threatened with a ban if they sing the song 12 German Bombers at the England-Germany no. game? I mean, they should... <laughs> Do you know what? I'd actually... Before... Um, before... Recently, I'd never heard that song. I don't know how I'd missed it, but I just never heard it as a, as a, as a thing. Um, and I heard it in the pub and I was... Yeah... I think it probably shouldn't then, be it? sung. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. do, do you know what also makes me laugh? Is the irony that the people that sing that song are also the people that are like, oh, we need to keep politics out of football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what do you think German. of war? What do you think a war is, Darren? <laughs> it's political. Just a hint for you. Uh, Arsenal news then. Kieran Tierney has yes. signed a new long-term contract. Oh, uh, he I said, it, it feels amazing. I love all the staff. I love all the players. I love the manager and just working with them is an absolute joy. Being happy in life speaks for a lot and I'm happy. So I was more than happy to commit my future. Uh, broken a couple of days ago by David Ornstein, etc., etc. Oh. A new five-year deal on supposedly around £110,000 a week. Um, interesting in his uh, sort of video that he did to announce it to Arsenal.com. He was basically talking about, you know, how much he loves playing for the manager, loves all the staff, loves all the players, thinks I we're think, heading in the right less, direction. less important and, than that is and, the fact that he was saying that we are going in the right direction. Yeah, and crucially, what I was going to say was around mm. the... Basically, he, he talks about the what's going on behind the scenes and how well run the club is. Now, question about... I think we can, you know... Set aside for the moment the conversation. I think Tierney's a fantastic player. He's a he's a really brilliant guy. Uh, I think he will be Arsenal captain at some point. That's kind of standard. Given. You know, a given for me. What I found striking about the video is I think Tierney is not only old school in terms of what feel like some of his values and morals off the pitch, but when he was speaking, he was sort of talking in a way that made me feel like if he's happy somewhere... If he feels valued somewhere, he will stay. And that's what mm. I think is really exciting about Tierney is that, you know, he's someone who basically is saying, well, you know, I was so happy to, to, to have a connection with the manager, you know, so soon uh, that he really picked me up after a really difficult period. He feels like the kind of loyal player that you want. And I think someone, mm. you know, when, when we're looking at contract extensions, and we'll come on to that in just a second when we've spoken about Tierney, when we're looking at players that we want to build, you know, long-term things around, we want the loyal players. We want players who, when they recognise that they have been helped by Arsenal Football Club, you know, he, he had a long, a long... Football Club moving forward, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, he had a long injury. And it's not to sit here and say, you know, we've done this for you, you owe us. No one owes no, anyone It was anything. the same with it's Van a, Persie. It's one of the main reasons that I fucking hate Van Persie is we stuck by that man through thick and thin. The amount of injuries and poor seasons he had, and we stuck. And then, as soon as he came good, had two yeah. good seasons. He refused to sign a contract and fucked off to United. And I think that's the thing. When you give, it's like with with Santi. I have no animosity towards Santi Cazorla because you know the club did everything that they could for him. They kept him on a contract and they gave him an extension when he was severely injured. And then he kind of aged out a bit and moved on. Fine. But when a club has been so loyal to you, repaying that loyalty is important. And that's why that is one of the, yeah, yeah. it's a big, big positive from, from Kieran Tierney. I think we do always have to take, though, what is said in these interviews with a pinch of salt. No player that's just signed a new contract and that is being paid, we have to remember, £110,000 a week, rumoured. Yep. Like, that's a lot of money isn't going to come out and say, the manager's a wanker, the club's run like a piece of shit, look at the deal that I've just fleeced off of them. Like, we have to understand that there are, I'm not calling it bullshit, I'm just saying that you can never 100% believe, because it's like you always say, 
one day the true story of how everyone feels will come out in someone's autobiography. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I think on, hmm. on your on your first point around like, I, I think there is, you know, there is a, a, a business and uh, side to it. And I think, you know, someone like Kieran Tini, he knows what he's doing. He's protecting his his value. You know, he, he's protecting himself and his interests, you know, by signing this new deal. You know, it makes sense for him at 24. He deserves this new deal. It makes sense for him. And it makes sense for the club. We're protecting our asset. It, it's, a, it's a mutually beneficial thing. And this is the thing I think players can especially when it, when a club has has benefited you for so long someone like van Persie, you can act in a way that mutually benefits the club you can leave in a, in a way that mutually benefits the club we don't know all the ins and outs of every single possible you know interaction at board level but i think that kind of um that control of narrative is really important for for players to to sort of protect their reputations you know for fans and and, and in football and it kind of comes on to what we were saying here you know Tierney speaks really, really well. He's, he seems open and honest. And yeah, sure, there's a bit of PRFC going on, I'm sure. There will be. But, there will be at certain but, aspects. Absolutely. But I think what, what's, what's, uh, what, what I like about Tierney is that you feel as though if we give him value, if we say, listen, we like you here, you know, someone like Mikel Arteta has supported him, helped him when he was going to a really difficult patch, all that sort of stuff, he will repair us. Doesn't mean he can stay forever. I don't think any Arsenal fan yeah. is like, you have to stay if we're n- not being ambitious or whatever it is. But there is a way of doing it. And I like the way he speaks. And I like the fact that we're building a team around someone who is seems to be to me to have similar values and principles and morals to the fans and to the club. And I, I just I just love Tierney, basically. Absolutely. Basically, I and love look, Tierney. <laughs> here's the thing as well. When I say that, obviously, we have to take it with a pinch of soul i personally do not think kieran tierney's the kind of person that wouldn't say something i think he's more likely to refuse as in if arsenal came to him and say for example he hated Mikel arteta if arsenal came to him and said we've just given you a new contract we want you to in the press conference about it come out and say how much you love the manager and how much of a genius you think he is i think he's more than likely to say no rather than say something he doesn't believe in. And again, like you said in the last episode or the episode before, all of this podcast and all that we do is our best version of events, our our, our best guesswork. Um, But the kind of person that he portrays himself a bit to be, does, to me, doesn't seem to be the kind of person that would just come out. And, and it's with the amount of it as well. It's not one comment, it's several comments. And they're just they're they're linguistically more thought out and they're more naturally in the moment than i like mikel he's a good manager the like the language that he uses and the way that he speaks to me gives off an air of truth yeah whether he's right or not is up to you know opinion and whether we believe that mikel is the best man for the job or you the listener believe it that's kind of the beauty of football is we all get to have our own opinions Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I want to be careful how I phrase this next question because I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking, I was going, right, well, Balogun, new contract, Saka, new contract, Martinelli, new contract, um, Tierney, new contract, Smith Rowe, new contract, looking, looking good. You know, uh, we're, 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 we're building a nice core and we're doing mm. good, good work, you know, kind of within ourselves, right? Is that... And I think it sort of can be two things, but I wonder what your viewpoint is on this. We're finally acting like a a club that makes sense. We're tying our prospects down to long-term deals when they should be, you know, an academy Mm. project like a product, sorry, like uh, like Saka, who's been here since what, nine years old or eight years old, whatever it is. We should be able to get that done. And mm-hmm. there was that huge panic last summer. He signed the deal and it's, you know, it's, it's a great feeling and it's an important thing. I think, you know, it can be both uh, that, you know, it's, it's a good business and we should be getting it done. But I wonder whether it's, it feels extra good just because we have been so stupid in sort of the recent history. Yeah, it, it definitely does. It definitely does. Uh, you know, we're so used to, you know, Aaron Ramsey, Alexis Sanchez kind of situations where, or again, you know, Robin Van Persie left us when? Like the early 2010s. And that was a situation where contractually we left ourselves up Shit's Creek without a paddle. So it does, as long as we're not taking it overboard and giving people contracts that we shouldn't be, then I'm fine with it. It feels very positive moving forwards that we are tying these people down. I just think that it's... um, for every 
couple of deals we seem to be doing right, we seem to be doing one wrong. You know, hitching our wagon to Aubameyang for £350,000 a week for the next two years is going to be difficult to get out of. And that was a was a deal that we did push for last summer. And I think that, you know, in hindsight, all of us can say, oh, we should have sold him or whatever. But it's the same thing as the William deal. What I think is positive is currently the type of people we're tying down to new deals. It is the Smith Rose. It is the Sackers. It is the Martinelli's. It is the uh, Tierney's. It's the young guys who are hopefully going to be in the kind of next five-year cycle of Arsenal Football Club. It's not the Granite Jackers. It's not the kind of 28, 29-year-olds who we either need to give their last big contract or we need to sell. Mm. Uh, so that's a big positive for me. And it kind of makes it really interesting to see where we're going moving forward as well. Because if we are at the negotiation table and we are sorting out new contracts, the fact that one for Enketia isn't happening is a big kind of lighthouse beam almost as to what we plan to do with him and the fact Mm. that one isn't happening for Lacazette and for certain other players I think shows when you know it looks like Elneny's getting a new contract which I think is a decent bit of business I'm I'm very skeptical because we seem to be hearing good things and I'm not used to it (laughs) but look my opinion well, everyone knows my opinion on the Cronkies. We're never going to win the league until they until they leave, in my opinion. One, because, you know, and I think that this is a conversation for an entirely separate podcast, unless nowadays with you looking at your Man Cities dropping 150 million on Kane, apparently, and 100 million on Grealish, unless you are run by an oil baron or a nation state backed by billions and billions and billions of pounds with people who are willing to spend, you know, to get back onto the level of squad that City have, we will have to spend a billion pounds. And that will happen over the next four or five years. And it will get to a situation where to catch them, we either need them to stop spending money or we need to go pound for pound. And we don't have an owner that's going to do that. So even then, that doesn't take away from the fact that we can be competitive. And hopefully with other moves this summer, we can start to be again. And it is real positive signs. I will always just temper my excitement with a bit of realism because they told us to be excited in 2019 and we've had our two worst finishes in a league ever since. And we've signed players like Willian and we've missed out on top targets and all of these things. So I'm a bit 50-50 about it at the moment, but the contract news is very, very positive because what it does is it breaks a pattern of behaviour and that's very important. Absolutely. I I think that's a really smart way of looking at it. And uh, yeah, I I, I think this is a sign of a club that is learning from its mistakes, but I agree with you. There are still signs of things that we're doing. It's difficult to know, you know, for example, in every specific deal, you can go, well, you know, is Willian a stopgap because of the years of, you know, poor squad management? And is the is the Aubameyang deals of, you know, is, is the Aubameyang deal just because we want to get through that next bit? We don't, we don't want to get a striker because we've left it so bad. You can sit here and make excuses for all of it. What's nice to see is we appear to be hitting more than we're missing. And I think, you know, if we think back sort of five, six years, we were definitely missing a lot more than we were hitting. You look at the transfer business and stuff. And I agree with you, you know, as much as we, it's exciting to get all these extensions done. I I, I do have to say, as I said at the beginning of it, like it's deals that we should be, like someone like Kieran Tierney. We should be getting excited for it. It's the bog standard basics of, it's the basics of football. As Fabian Delph once said, it's the basics of football. But, you know, you know, it's great to get to, you know, Tini's a great player and a lot of clubs would like him. But should Arsenal be at any kind of risk of losing Kieran Tini with three years out from his deal? No. Realistically, should Arsenal be losing Balogun? Should Arsenal be losing, unless they want to, should Arsenal be losing Saka or Smith-Rowe? Now, you cannot tell me anyone at Arsenal thinks losing Saka is a good idea. So, you know, and it's difficult to read into how long these contract negotiations, it's difficult to know how long, you know, for someone like Smith-Rowe, I've heard stuff from last January. Is it taking that long? Who knows? But I, it's positive, but I do agree that while the Cronkies are still here, it's... It's just, and it's also a difficult thing as well. I think 
one of the big reasons that negotiation seems to probably be taking a while at the moment when it comes to contract extensions is they've got like they'll have us bent over a barrel. We're negotiating from from a place of weakness. You know, Saka, yeah, of course, he'd be wanted by any major team in the world, depending on price, obviously. So getting him tied down is is a basic thing that we should be doing. One, because he's phenomenal and we want him to continue to play for us. But two, because if we are going to lose him, we need to lose him for £100 million, not for £30 million. Yeah. Um, and... The negotiations are probably, you know, Arsenal are probably getting bent over a, a barrel a little bit at the moment when it comes to player wages and when it comes to other things because we are negotiating from a place of weakness. We've had our two worst finishes uh, in Arsenal's history. You know, it's the first time not having European football in 25 years, as long as I've been alive. Um, so we're not as big a prospect as we were anymore. And what we're starting to see die out is the idea that... Be- because we were great once, people will choose us because of that. You know, a lot of players used to be like, oh, I'm coming to Arsenal because Thierry Henry played there and all of this and that. And I'm like, we're getting, like, we're now getting to an age. And like, this is mm. the thing that fucks me up about football, about how old footballers are. And I yeah. see them as old men. And realistically, they're like four years older than me. We're getting to an age where some of the players like Jude Bellingham probably weren't really... No. conscious enough they to grew remember up if they were an Arsenal fan. Well, yeah. No, but not even United. Like, they probably weren't conscious enough to remember the days that Thierry Henry even played for Arsenal, let alone played for Barcelona. Mm. So, it's important that we really get our international standing back and quick. Uh, so that's why. That's why these negotiations will take a long time because Arsenal don't want to pay Smith-Rowe 100 grand a week or whatever. And mm. Smith Rowe's going, well, if you don't want me to leave to a club that's better, pay me this. And it just yeah. becomes a bit of a tussle. Definitely. Definitely. But I think we are doing some smart business. And what I've seen we are. Uh, we are, we are, moving, we are. moving forward, uh, Mavropanos heading back to Stuttgart on loan for the 2021. We're so bad at selling players. How have we season. not just sold him this summer? Yeah. If he's, <sighs> it, it makes no sense. Like how have we just not sold him for, and so, it, especially for as little money as as we're selling him for? It's like so, a total like six million pounds. Yeah. So the structure of the deal supposedly is something along the lines of it's an obligation if Stuttgart stay up, and it's an op, uh, stay up, and it's an option if Stuttgart go down uh, for something like three million with add-ons and stuff. However, you know, I'm hearing with a loan fee this season. With a loan fee. I am hearing that there's sell-on clauses in basically everyone we're selling. So, for example, Zek Medley has gone to a top-level Belgian club and they've got a sell-on clause with him. Uh, I know Dinos Mavropanos will have a sell-on clause if uh, if Stuttgart uh, do stay up and, and are forced to sign him. So, forced. Um, but yeah, I, I think th- there's an element there which is encouraging. I do, te- you know, it's, it, it does feel like a particularly low fee. Um we're still making a profit on Mavropanos, but I don't think it's enough. I think, you know, I've had a few jokes on Twitter this week with people saying, you know, Liverpool would have got 20 million for him. And I, and I don't, yeah, and I wonder. They but sold the, their backup goalkeeper to Crystal Palace so, called like Danny Ward or something who I don't even think had ever played for the club. He's like their third choice who's gone to be like backup at Crystal Palace and they sold him to them for like 13 million pounds. Like, yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah. And this is what I mean by like, I, I, this is why I get, oh, I get really, really excited about how good we are, at, you know, getting contracts done. But then when it comes to a very easy sale, we can't, like they want the player. It's not a lot of money. You, you would be, you would be kind of going fair enough if it was at the 15 or 20 million pound mark for a club that's just staved off relegation, but it's not a lot of money. And Six six million pounds. That's not. So, they could have afforded that, and the fact that we couldn't even get it out of them this summer just makes me go. Well, it's another thing that just worries me about the club, especially when it comes to selling people like Lacazette, Torreira. You know, it's looking like Torreira's off to Lazio, I think, for ten million pound up front, and then ten million pound a year later, twenty million. Oh, it's euros. Um, a structured two payment deal, but uh, I just yeah. there's a, I, there's I, a few things on the selling front. I'm like. Mm. 
Yeah, I no, I, I do understand that. I mean, for, uh, to caveat what I'm about to say, I don't know what a Mavropanos costs. I really don't. I, 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 you know, and it's difficult to say and to say specifically, oh, he would cost this, but, you know, based on his contracts, whatever. I don't actually know. But I think the problem is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. As you were just outlined with this Smith-Rowe thing, they've got us over a barrel. Ultimately, they know we're trying to sign fifty million pound Ben White, which we'll come on to in a moment. We're, we've got Saliba, we've got Mari, we've got Chambers, we've got Holding. They know we don't need Mavropanos. They also know we don't absolutely have to sell. So we're in a situation where you know if we had structured our squad properly ten years ago, the you know and and had been you know under you know good management or whatever, or five years ago, or three years ago, or a year ago, situations like this don't happen. Then two, three, four years down the line, because Mavropanos wouldn't you know would have been perhaps sold two summers ago for a different fee, you know, a much higher fee. I don't know. But the the problem is is it's it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing. And then and then when you don't get enough money, you can't compete for the better players. And it it, it just does feel like you we're kind of stuck in a, a situation like that. I don't know what Mavropanos costs. I really don't I really don't know whether that's a good deal or not. It doesn't sound great, but I think it key, really isn't. Especially the, when the, like okay, sorry. But the key the key the key thing for me we have to we have, and, and this is such uh, kind of like a moot said so many times point, but Mavropanos, something like this, Mavropanos going for what feels like, let's let's work on the fact that it's a, it's a it's a low fee, right? Let's assume it is, right? I actually don't know, but let's assume it's a low fee. It perceives to be a low fee. We've got ourselves into a situation where because of our bloated squad, they know, as I say, we, they know we don't need us. So it's getting out of that cycle. It's getting out of that cycle somehow. And sometimes... We might have to do things like this, just and the same thing with the contracts going. Same thing with you know Gwendozi going. I don't know, but there may be certain things that we do that feel like we're doing the same thing, but actually it is cutting the cycle. I don't know. I mean, that's that, I mean, that's yeah. my hope. There, there is a big, there is a big kind of avenue to this whole thing about we have such a bloated squad and only kind of thirty eight games to focus on really next season. Yeah, that's another point. Yeah. That you know we are going to have to get a lot of a lot of players out. But the one thing that I point to about kind of valuations of players, and it's really not accurate, you go on like Transfermarkt, for example, I'm on there now. Transfermarkt historically undervalues their players. They're horrendous at valuing players. They value them at 5.4 million pounds, which is probably about 6 million euros. And we're doing a deal that I don't even think equates to that. If everything happens, it gets to about If that, everything yeah, happens, yeah. it gets to around that number. And this is a company that, undervalue their players it it comes to the coin toss of even though you don't need him do you want to sell him for cheaper than he's worth just because you want rid of him or do you want to shop him around because I don't think that we would have lost for example this is a for me a, a bad selling deal I don't think we'd have lost this deal if we'd have said to them no we're going to shop him around and then two weeks later gone back to them. I don't think we'd have lost this level of deal because this barely pays us what he's worth. I think this probably barely pays out his contract. Like it's, it's nothing money. So I look at it and I go, why was there no effort to drum up interest from elsewhere? He's had what seems to have been a good season. And yet we've heard no talk of other clubs in or even us trying to get other clubs in. Maybe it's something to do with finances in football. You know, a lot of clubs will be struggling after coronavirus and only clubs with with big backing owners will be able to afford fees, which is why we're going to struggle to shift people like Lacazette because we're, we're trying to put them to middling clubs like Southampton and Southampton might not have the money, which is why I think that there's probably a good avenue in swap deals this summer for clubs like Roma, for example, and Xhaka. I don't know why we don't test the waters with a swap deal for Amadou Diawara or Lorenzo Pellegrini, just to try and see if that's something that they're available or like thinking about as a possibility. I, I think it's difficult and this is the first deal. So I think we're always going to judge the whole window off the first deal because we don't know what's coming. Yeah. And it's really inaccurate. You know, we could sell Lacazette for 500 million pounds. It's unbelievably unlikely. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's absolutely but, not. But if we if we sell him for 25 million pounds, like you tweeted, a statue of Edu should be commissioned outside yeah. the Emirates. Yeah, it's, that I know, a, that, that's, that's over half the money back we paid for him after having him for five years. And 
basically seeing that all he can do is kind of run a, a bit slow and <laughs> yeah. or a lacquering ram. That's a good joke. Where'd you get that? Uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's it's also it's also that that thing of because it is our first sale or a proper sale, mm. and you know, in and out kind of apart from sort of contract news, it's slightly concerning. It's also not the action of a club that has money. Do you know what I mean? Which is another concern. So it's a, it's a difficult one. But anyway, let's move on from Mavapanas because it's depressing me, Brad. Um, it can is. we just uh, and on that note, can we just have a moment to just laugh at Spurs? <laughs> Wait, get one of your things on. Is there a Ooh! laugh track? Oh, there's got to be. Is there a laugh on. track in the effects? There's got to be. There's got to be one. Hang on. Here we are. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Don't hit the preview. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Le Petigree. No thanks. Conte, Le Pe- no thanks. Lopetegui. <laughs> What's his name? Lopetegui, I thought Lopete- it was. L- oh, am, I, am I thinking of the rat Fucking from hell. Ratatouille? Uh, the, oh, it's Luigi. What's his name? Luigi. I can't remember. No, anyway. Remy. Remy, that's it. <laughs> You're thinking of the ginger guy who's called Linguini. Linguini, that's him. That's him. Uh, listen, I think they've been turned down by every available manager in the, in the world. So what point, is it? They? they start, what is it? It's Conte, Gattuso, uh, Ten Hag. Ten Hag, Lopetegui. Yeah, it's got. There's been some others. They've there's, gone through five managers now. It's it's simply sensational. And, and, oh, also, and oh wait, no, 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 Nagelsmann. Six and Nagelsmann, of They've course. Gone through six managers. Of course. I mean, oh, what? And, wait, t- they were apparently they were interested in Hansi Flick as well, so that might be seven. What a tin pot club. I don't have any analysis on that. I just I just wanted to laugh at them. Um, okay. We're going to separate out this conversation Ooh. because William Saliba and Ben White are, are two different people. Different people. So uh, this week, Chris Wheatley uh, came out with the news that William Saliba may be heading back out on loan. Charles Watts has insisted this week that also that uh, William Saliba will be given a chance in preseason. He's heading out to the Olympics. So who knows if so he will be in preseason. We're not going to see him in preseason. We're not going to see him for the first couple of weeks of the season. There's a lot of mixed messages. A lot of mixed messages. Uh, he's been called up for the Olympic squad for France. Um, without causing you an aneurysm, Brad. Can I jump in first? Yeah, I was about to say. I think him going to the Olympics is a good sign. Because... Yeah. If he, it, we obviously knew that this was a possibility. Like the club aren't idiots. We know the Olympics is happening and we know that he'll be in the rumblings for the squad and is most well. likely going to be selected. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're idiots about a lot of things, but we, we, they can use a calendar. That's, that's, yeah. that's being willfully, do you know what I mean? I think that if, and I, I again, we'll, we, we can clip this up and when he sold to Valencia for £2 million in three weeks' time, we can laugh at me. I think the fact that he's gone, that, it, that he is going to the Olympics and that he is missing the first few weeks of preseason, and that's obviously going to start very soon, it, it, one of two things is going is to happen over the next two or so, maybe three weeks, and it's going to happen very quickly. He either goes out the door or he's going to be a part of this squad. And I think that that's good news for a couple of reasons. One, it means that the camp is not toxic and there's not this constant news going around about his future. And two, because I think it's more likely going to be that he ends up staying than going. Um, I think if we were sending him out on loan, we would have done it already. Because Nice would have him back in a heartbeat. He was up for uh, their, their, uh, the Ligue 1, the French League team of the season for them. And we're talking about loan deals. The French market is so crippled financially that a lot of clubs are going to thrive off of loan deals. And if, you know, we offered... The, and they're losing um, his centre-back partner to Debo. So... They, I think they would have jumped at the chance to have him back. And I think we would have seen that happen already. So my inkling is that he's probably going to end up staying. Um, but again, I could be horribly wrong. But I think whether he ends up staying or going, it will happen very quickly. And that is a good thing for the club. Because whether, whether my opinion on it is that it's stupid if we send him out or not, 
the fact that it's happened and we can move on from it and focus on other targets is a positive. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I largely agree with you. I think, so I think this is a, a yet another example of Arsenal being unable or unwilling or what, choose a word, doesn't matter, to control the narrative. Arsenal can just brief David Ornstein and say, William Saliba will be given a chance in preseason. That's all they need to say. That's all they need to say. David Austin comes out with it and then, it, then it's over. They brief all journalists. They brief Charles Watts. They brief Chris Wheatley. They brief uh, fucking John Cross at the Mirror. They, they brief us. Get, send us an email, thedifferentrocketgmail.com and tell us that William Saliba will get... And that's what they can do. They can control the narrative, right? So then people stop this panic and this furore over this player. There's so much to be talked about with Saliba. I think there's so much of a... There's an idea of this, you know, clever club looking forward, getting in there at 30 million before he's 50 million next season. He's at Real Madrid and, you know, we've, we've worked on that. He's made zero competitive appearances for Arsenal. We have not controlled this situation well up to this point, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't we from now. We can't take the reins now. So, yeah. So let's be let's be a smart club. Let's be a smart club and change this narrative, right? There's so much conflicting information. He's going out on loan. He's going to be sold. Rob Holding's going to be sold. Just brief the media because then what that, what happens is, and of course there's going to be some rumours and there's going to be a little bit of conflicting information, but we all know, right? We all know, we know that Arsenal are after Ben White. We know that. And and Arsenal mm. probably want that to be known for for whatever reason or it's it's clear that's coming out. With the amount of conflicting information there is about Saliba, all it does is a breeding ground to make Arsenal look like clowns. And we look like clowns handling this. As I've said many, many times, William Saliba may be the world's best player in five years' time, or he may end up at fucking Augs Air when he's 27, right? It actually doesn't matter right now. What we have is a young player who's reputation and kind reams of, of potential with with reams of potential is being is not playing for the club that he's that he that we should have him for so is it that Arteta comes out and says we just want to say we love William Saliba we think he's great he's just not quite ready yet and he's another season out on loan but we will have him back at Arsenal he will be an Arsenal player great then we all stop worrying control the narrative this is what pisses me off about yeah. this club <laughs> It's so yeah, simple. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it is a lot to do with, like, I don't know Arteta personally, as, <laughs> as we all know. Um, but unfortunately to me, he seems like a very arrogant man. Seems like a very arrogant man. And I think that the reason that we don't control the narrative or he doesn't control the narrative is because he doesn't believe that he needs to. He believes that his decisions should be impunable and questionable. And that's that, um, which then leads us to a situation where he's like, well, I don't need to control the narrative because it's, I'm me. I'm, do you, do you, do you I go, am the narrative. Yeah, no, no. And also he thinks, <laughs> yeah, well, my it, decisions will pay off in the end. So it doesn't matter what they're talking about now. Yes, it does. It affects the reputation of the club. Because it, and the thing that he doesn't realise is it affects his reputation. Because the longer that there is a question over William Saliba's head, if he doesn't perform next season and ships him out on loan, and say Ben White does come in and is a disaster, you whether we're trying to separate the conversation or not, if that set of events happens, that is the narrative. That we had a guy who was almost in the league team of the season after six months... And we sent him out on loan and we've brought in this this English guy for 50 million quid who's shit. And we're fucking 16th in December and he's going to lose his job because of it. And Saliba's not going to want to play for a club that treats him like that. No, of course not. But taking control of the narrative at least removes part of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Because it tells us that if he isn't ready, well, fine. We'd at least feel like well, I, th- I I think even if they came out and said that and then that version of events happened, the, 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 the docs would be connected. And he, I think he's kind of nailed that coffin dead f- yep. from his treatment of him over the last 12 months. Yep. But it is a worrying sign that the arrogance of the people at this club are refusing to, to deal with these situations and sort these situations out. Because yep. it, again, shows a disconnect between them and the fans. Because yep. Yep, 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 yep. the fact... Yeah. yeah. Listen, mate, I think, and, and and also there's reports that Arteta and Edu haven't even spoken to him. Listen, who knows, who knows if that's true? That could be bollocks. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to hammer the club on something that 
that that I don't know that they've done right. But ultimately, they need to take control of this narrative, and that's that's all they can say. On a separate note, we will separate them out. Mm-hmm. Well, just a bridging ben point. White signing. Just a bit. Just a bridging point here, though. Actually, Ben White is much more comfortable playing on the so if Arsenal are building up in a three or building up in a two Ben White is much more comfortable playing in what would be that right backy kind of space in the three or the right side of that center back he's much more adept in those channels he's a much better defender in those positions he's much more able to step into midfield on that side than Saliba is Saliba would probably sit in the middle Saliba may not be ready or we may think that Gabriel is the guy to sit in the middle or whatever it is it doesn't matter Ultimately, as we say, you know, what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is there's a football reason for all of this. There may well be, I can think of one. I'm sure Mikel Arteta, people with greater football brains than us, can think of a million reasons why Saliba might not fit. Fantastic. Send him off. Get 40 million for him. Don't allow this to happen. Pisses me off. Uh, yeah. Ben White. Uh, so Arsenal, so me and the Seagulls were on, I'm so angry. Me and the Seagulls were on Brighton Beach, which is, so, uh, well, Worldwide listeners, I'm from Bournemouth, uh, and Bournemouth has the basically what is voted the best beach in the UK. It just is. It's it good. It's a very, it very, is. it's a very, very good beach. Let's just say what we're all thinking. Brighton Beach is shit. Put it this way: my family had to wait for 12 years to get a beach hut. We were put on a waiting list for 12 years for a beach hut. My, my, it's harder I mean, to get a season ticket. Uh, it's harder to get one of them than a season ticket for Christ. Exactly. Sake. So th- this is a pucker beach, and this beach is just stones. It's all. St- it's John Stones. It's absolute. It's an absolute mess. Anyway, I'll get. A, I'll get over my beach run. Anyway, so uh, me and the Seagulls were chatting. Turns out Arsenal put in a fifty million pound bid for uh, Ben Benny White. White. Uh, Forty-five million add-ons. Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously that wasn't reported by anyone else. You heard it here first from me and the Seagulls. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we've kind of, you know, yeah, put the William Saliba conversation behind us. As a player, as a deal, you, you, you seem to be turning around to it. I like. I don't like the price, uh, but I like. I do like the player. I, I do like the player. I think that he offers something different. Um, I think statistically it's really, really difficult to see what kind of things he would bring to an Arsenal side. One, because he's only spent one year in the Premier League and two, because he spent a year at a team that, whilst play good football, do not play the same style that we play. So we cannot, with even 75% clarity, see a true representation of what he'd bring to us. But what we can see is his abilities and how good he is slash can be. While I think the price is probably inflated by about 15 million quid, I think if you were looking at 30, 35, that would be a fair price. This, again, is a situation where how far we've fallen is affecting our prices because they know that we need these players, so they are going to bend us over a barrel for them. Every player we cost because we are desperate to get back to where we want to be is going to cost us more money. But if if we're going to spend big this summer, shit happens. You know, spending, wasting 50, an extra, spending an extra 15 million pound on Ben White isn't the end of the world, as long as it doesn't mean that we lose out on other targets. Uh, But player wise, yeah, I'm I'm kind of warming to the idea. I think every good squad needs um, a kind of uh, almost a rotationary three centre back partnership. I think you need three of the roughly the same quality. And I think again, to bring Saliba back into the conversation like you were saying about the fact that he can really play that left centre-back role as well as playing in the middle or on the right. Having a left footer in Gabriel, a right footer in Ben White and somebody who can play on the left with a right foot in Saliba but can also play on the right is a perfect three because you have one player that can deputise both sides and you have two players that are very strong in their own positions. Mm. Whether that ends up happening or not, yeah, it's, an, it's an option. There and yeah, yeah. Let's we'll re- we'll now remove Saliba from the conversation. I just thought that was an interesting point and why mm. I think that we might end up seeing him stay. Absolutely. Um, I really hope that what happened with Mustafi doesn't happen and that we pay a big premium for a player. He plays well for seventeen games and then it turns out he's not the player that we think he is. And there isn't a lot of data to show how good he is. But what there is, is there's some real, real moments of quality that we can look at and see and go, yeah, this is going to be a, 
at least a decent deal. Do yeah. I think he is a Premier League winning centre back? Personally, I'm on the I'm on I'm on a knife edge. He could be, he also really couldn't be. I'm a bit 50-50. But is he better than what we've got? Absolutely. And yep. buying him and then giving us the opportunity to sell Rob Holding for 20 million quid, which is exactly the price we should get for him with the amount of time left on his contract and the fact that he's English, is good business. It's really good business. Yep. And it's a positive moving forward. And I just hope that, like, like we said earlier, that hopefully this first deal clicking starts off the domino effect and we see more and more coming. Yep. Football-wise, so technically proficient. Uh, he's an mm. excellent dribbler, carries the ball really well, has a great range of passing, really versatile positions. He, as you can say, can play with both feet. Um, I think he's a really, really good signing. I don't I don't love the price, but as I say, I think I value perhaps, uh, we had a conversation last last episode about homegrown and, and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I sort of value it because you can have that on the other side. You can look at it. You know, if we came to sell him, it, it would benefit in, in that way. If we're well, if we're being a well-run club, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's dribbles con- out with the ball really well as well. You know, it dribbles yeah. out with the ball. Dribbles completed. He's in the ninety-third percentile, um, which is something that I think that we lack. We, yeah, he's, and especially he, now that we're getting rid of David Luiz, which I think is a good move. We don't have somebody who can carry almost like Harry Maguire does yep. for United. Carry that ball ten to More fifteen like yards. Harry Maguire. Up. <laughs> Fuck's sake. It just pushes us up that extra five, yep. ten yards. And like we've said so many times about squeezing that tube of toothpaste and squeezing them up the pitch. And for it's, more, it's, every, more, it's more Paul from Arsenal Vision than us. Yeah. But yeah. And for all of our <laughs> listeners, I'm doing very physical gestures for an audio platform. But check out the TikTok <laughs> and see if the gestures are on there. Um, it does just carry us that bit further forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- yeah, I'm I'm happy with the signing. And yeah. a three of Saliba, White, and Gabriel is young. It is exciting, and is exactly the thing that we should be trying to be. We should try to be Dortmund, getting in these phenomenal young players. Hopefully, with Ben White when he's available for cheaper. But like in that kind of sense, like getting these young players in and using them as a springboard and then selling them for ridiculous fees and doing it again. And then hopefully we're never going to be in a situation, I don't think, to spend the kind of money that it takes to win a league nowadays. But hopefully we can take advantage of the eventual end of the cycle when it is there for the taking. Yep. And smart deals like this are are things that will put us up there. Yep. I also think ostensibly as a a David Luiz replacement, he's, he's, he's really, really good. And also he... In the same, in in a way that David Luiz kind of only progresses into space, he's really happy and adept at taking people on high up the pitch and and actually dribbling past them and through them, which is such a good skill for a for a right back or or a centre back to be able to step into um into into midfield. And I say right back because I wonder in some games whether he plays on that right hand side of maybe a three. I really don't know. I'm not saying he's our right back choice, but I'm saying he could play there. Uh, dates released for your diary, Brad. Brad, do, do you have a calendar yet? Yeah, uh, no. So listeners, but can we just we take move. a moment? Brad freewheels his life. He just remembers. He just goes, oh, I'm working next Wednesday and that's what I'm doing. How? How do you have the confidence in yourself? What it's, can I say? It's unbelievable. I've got, I've, got, I've got the facilities for that, big man. But also I'm like, can you record next, you know, like, can you record in January 2015? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you do remember. So it's, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so these are dates for your head, Brad. Uh, okay. Men's first team are coming back on Wednesday, the July the seventh. So back back in training, uh, we travel to Scotland. Some really good fixtures in in preseason. We've got Hibernian and Rangers. We've got uh, Inter Milan in the Florida Cup. We've got Everton or Millionarios in the Florida Cup. Uh, we would then play Chelsea. We also play Tottenham. Some really properly good fixtures in that in that preseason. Um, I would like to see perhaps uh, a we- some slightly weaker opponents at some points, but I do like the fact that we're playing Milan. I do like the fact we're playing Spurs and Chelsea sort of fairly soon before the beginning of the season because I think it's a it's a really good chance to to see where we are. Uh, Olympic Games end. Uh, what is it? The Sunday before the Friday uh, where the new Premier League season begins. So depending on how Gabriel potentially Martinelli might be going, by the way, um, he might be what be- to the. Yeah, he might be being called up. Uh, How so come? I thought he, 
I thought we, he, he didn't get selected in I the end. I think someone might be dropping it. I don't know. Uh, I just saw a, a rumour about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, we've got Tierney, who's coming home now. Uh, Bukayo Saka would like to bring it's football really home, but uh, I think mm. he'll probably be home sooner. So I'm hoping that we have a fairly fresh and relaxed squad uh, for, for the new season. But yeah, um, yeah, I think those, those, those pre-season fixtures look pretty good to me. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. I mean, it's better than, you know, we played like MK Dons and then played two behind closed doors in which I'm pretty sure we lost to someone like really stupid, like fucking Crawley Town or something stupid. Like yeah, that. and it's not worth playing Boreham Wood 12 times. Like, it's it's not it's not yeah. about that. It's just that, you know, I think sometimes it's nice to have some, but hey, you know, just to give the likes of Balogun and give the likes of, you know, an Aziz or a Cottrell or someone just a, a chance. Uh, last bit of news, Brad. The away goals rule has been removed by yes, UEFA. And Bradley Adams... About, about time. Bradley Adams has three rules that he would like to see implemented. Go yeah, on, I, I suggested this for you. Uh, um, I, I think just some rules to make the game of football maybe a bit more interesting and maybe a bit more fair. Um, I suggested that the uh, that penalties are now almost like free throws from the NBA. The person that wins the penalty has to take it. And only when is it a situation where it's a bit, I don't know, ambiguous. I don't know how it would be because if, say, for example, Pepe shoots the ball and it hits an arm and we get a penalty, it would be Pepe. Um, But that's something I would like. Also, I think penalties are massively unfair on goalkeepers anyway. Petr did a thing about this, about how fast the ball travels at a goalkeeper and he can't even be an inch off of his line, whereas players are allowed to take stuttery jump ups and then jump before kicking the ball so um i'd like a, like a three stride rule you can take three strides to the ball and kick it no jumps no nothing it's just fair football um and then the last one i thought uh, and it's because it pisses me off on football manager i've started playing football manager again right um, and also one thing that piss- Thomas Party takes shots from like 90 yards and can't even hit the virtual target. Like he needs to sort his life out. <laughs> um, but I, I think in injury substitutes, if say, for example, in Tottenham v Arsenal, Kieran Tierney goes down with an injury and has to be substituted because of a challenge from, say, Harry Kane, a Tottenham player. Arsenal can you and it has to be an injury where the player has to be substituted and it has to be hurricane yeah um to, uh, Arsenal can use one of Tottenham's three substitutes to substitute their player because it's their squad and their team's actions that have caused the player to be substituted I just think it'd be a bit interesting and maybe it would stop people doing stupid fucking challenges that break people's legs sign him up UEFA I don't know why I just did like I'm not I'm not from Wakanda. Like <laughs> this is the hammers. Go on, you irons. Oh, fuck yeah. No, it, genuinely Go three really good suggestions. That you know, listen, if, if UEFA are listening, as I'm 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 sure they are. Sure uh, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, no. Good shouts. Uh we've just got time, Brad, for a bit of Arsenal trivia. How many goals did Bukayo Saka score for Arsenal? In the 2020-2021 season. Was it like seven? It was exactly seven, Brad. You get the bigger one. You don't get the little one. You get the bigger one. It's very good. Unbelievable. Okay, they're going to shut up. Um, Very good. Uh, The next question for your Arsenal trivia. It was seven goals. It was five in the Premier League and two in the Europa League. Well done, Brad. And well done at home if you got that right. If you got it right. Where are you? In the car? Where where do you think people listen to the podcast, Brad? Maybe on the train, if they take a train. Having a shit? I tend to listen to our podcasts on the train. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next question for Arsenal Trivia is Bradley... Uh, Mavropanos enjoyed experience in Germany during the 2019-2020 season making 12 appearances with which club in a loan spell from January 2020 before he went to Stuttgart in the 2019-2020 season making 12 appearances with which club did Mavropanos go to well Brad that was a pleasure 
Uh, as, as always. As always. You know, it's just it pure just joy. Uh, oh. We've had quite a few new subscribers this week, so welcome and congratulations if you got to the end of this. Yeah, thanks, guys. Whatever this is. Marathon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder how many people listen to the end of, end of podcasts. I like I love yeah. I love podcasts and I never get to an end of a podcast. We could say anything, Brad. Really? I always finish it. I can't help it. Cuz I feel like I could be missing something. I feel like the best cuz the best bit could always be at the end. It could. Should we But we it's could... not. Goodbye guys. But it's not. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening to Different Not Podcasts we really do appreciate it Uh, yeah thanks as always for listening keep it Different Knock, and we'll see you later peace guys thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock Podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the show you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website thedifferentknock.com thanks Podcast Network.